being in like a stadium or a high school auditorium and everybody says, elevate one, you know, it'd be crazy, man. I'm telling you, man, one day God's going to do it in your school. God's going to send revival, man. It's, it's already happening. God is going to do something huge in this city. And just, you know, sometimes we just got to get on the same page as God because it's easy to like get distracted with other things we're doing and school and friends and drama and all this stuff. But I'm telling you guys, when you get on the right page, when and you get on the same page as God is, man, you start to see some crazy stuff. You start to see your friends get saved. You start to see your family get saved. You start to see lives that you would have never thought would have accepted the gospel get changed in an instant. But again, we got to allow God to use us. Everybody say, God, God. Use, me. use me. Amen, amen. So as you all know, we're in the series, um, Set the Example from 1 Timothy uh, 4, verse 12. And I want to encourage you guys, this is a very easy verse. It's very simple, very easy. Oscar, if you could actually pull that verse up. I didn't ask you to add it, but could you add that one too? Um, 1 Timothy 4.12, very easy verse. I think I could even quote it by memory, but I want to see, does anybody here have that verse memorized just off of the top of your head? Does anybody want to give it a shot? 1 Timothy 4.12 is, uh, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, or behavior, love, not turtles, um, faith, and purity. Does anybody want to give it a shot? Come up here and say that verse. Anybody? No? No? Going once. 1 Timothy 4.12. The, the verse of the series. Yes. Going once, going twice. Anybody? Bam. Okay. No. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, guys. So here's what we're going to do. Next week, here's the challenge, right? Next week, you come up here, you say your verse. Y'all ain't ready for this. You'll get candy. Woo! Everybody make it up for, everybody clap it up for candy. Woo! Yes! Yes! You will get candy. If you memorize that first, look at this. Look at this, man. Everybody, let, let, let's, let's do this together, guys. This is our anthem. This is our theme. This is, we need to get this tattooed on our hearts somewhere, guys. Okay, look. 1 Timothy 4.12, let's, let's say it together on the count of one, two, three. Don't let... Anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Praise God. Amen and amen. So uh, for the first one, speech, Joby covered it. He did an awesome job. He gave the Joby flavor, talked about how you, we, need, we all need to reflect Christ um, and set the example in, in how we talk and what we say. Um, the next one was conduct behavior. We talked about that last week and how we need to behave in a manner worthy of the gospel, that when people look at how we behave, they see Christ, they see Jesus, because we have the attitude of Christ. We have the behavior and the mindset of Jesus himself, amen? And so today we're going to be talking about love, how to set the example to those around us, to believers, unbelievers, your school, your family, wherever you go, how to set the example in love, amen? Everybody say in love. Woo, come on, somebody. Um, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to open up with a word of prayer real quick. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place. And God, we just ask you that you'd come even now, Lord. We thank you that you're already here. We just ask you, Lord God, that you would help us to stay focused, God. Remove any and all distractions, Lord. We're here for you, God. We even thank you, God, for coming during the worship, Lord God, and how you were impacting us and touching us, God, and how you were revealing your love to us, God, even then, God. We thank you that you're already here, God. You send your word where two or three are gathered. There you are in their midst, Lord. 
So God, we honor you, God. It is an honor and a privilege to have you with us, Lord. All because of your love, Lord God. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. So for this topic of love, it's interesting, you know, as believers being called to set the example in love, guys, that is our goal, that is our mission. Just as, every, just as speech is our goal, just as behavior and conduct is our goal, those are the things we need to set the example in. And for us, in love, we need to be setting the standard in that area as well. So when we go to school, when we're with our family, when we're interacting with different people, what else should stick out among the other things? Love. We need to be setting the standard in love. People should be able to look at us. And I know I said this about speech, or Joby talked about it with speech, and I know I said it with behavior, but also with love, and again, for faith and purity, people should look at us, right? This is how we got to think about it. This is how we have to apply it in our lives. People should look at us and say, that person is the standard when it comes to loving people. That person is the most loving person I have ever met. That person is the most kind person, is the most caring person. That person is the example right? They should be able to say that about each and every one of us. I don't like naming names, but I'm telling you guys, I could just go down the row, each one, and be like, you should be the example in love. You should set the standard in love. You should set the standard in love. You should set the example, because that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying, don't let anyone look down upon you and judge you and say, oh, this person's just a young, immature, irresponsible youth. They don't know what they're doing. No, it says, instead, Set the standard, set the example in love. So that means people, when they see you and when they look at you, should have that report. This person is a person of love. This person cares. This person is the most loving person I have ever met. Amen. And it shouldn't just be one person. It shouldn't just be that one kid in school or that one person in church or those, those 10 people that are just really nice and kind and, and loving. And let's just let them do all the loving for us because, well, that's not my gift and that's not my calling. Guys, we're all called to this, right? Paul isn't just saying certain people are supposed to set the example. He's saying you set the example. It's not just for one person. It's not just for your mom or your, your dad or your, your sibling or your spiritual uh, person you look up to or an elder or a pastor. You are supposed to be the standard for love. It's you. It's you. It's not just one person over here or one person over there. We need to take it upon ourselves to be the standard because God's not going to judge the other person on our behalf. He's going to look at you. And he's going to hold you accountable for the way you loved people. He's going to look at your life. And he's going to say, how come you didn't love this person? How come you weren't caring in this situation? He's going to look at each one of us and he's going to hold us accountable for our actions and the way we loved. So it's not just one person's job. We need to take the responsibility upon ourselves. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what, what color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what culture you came from. We are all called to set the example in love for everyone around us. Now, I'm telling you guys, this is such an important thing, especially in our day and age, in our generation. Because if you look at society, if you look at culture, love is something that is almost non-existent. It's funny, I was talking to a friend a couple, well, a few, a few weeks ago, maybe like last month. I was at a birthday party for one of my friends. They were a girl, and uh, she is not saved, unfortunately, but... You know, I was trying to encourage her and be like, hey, you know, live for Jesus, all that stuff. And so I was there, and we were talking and everything, and she starts going into, like, her relational life and, you know, having boyfriends and all this stuff. And it's interesting, she started talking about how she had, like, different boyfriends for different parts of her life, right? And what I mean by that is she would have a boyfriend just to, like, help her with groceries. She'd have a boyfriend just to, like, 
give her a, give her a ride when she needs one, right? She, she has a boyfriend for, like, ordering pizza, right? Like, just a boyfriend for that. Like, let me hit up pizza boyfriend. Like, he's going to help me out right now. And she just goes down the line. I'm like, are you crazy? You, you, you cannot be serious. Like, do you actually do this? She's like, yeah, I, I need help. Like, well, I don't see the problem. I'm like, whatever. Um, but anyway, then she starts talking about how she has this, or she, she knows of this one dude who I guess is from another country, a foreigner, right? And he, uh, he offered to marry her for like thousands of dollars, right? And, and again, they don't know each other at all. They just kind of saw each other in, in passing in school. They go to the same school, but it's like, again, complete stranger offers you thousands of dollars for your hand in marriage. To me, that seems like completely stupid. Like, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I'm not just going to take your money. Like, no, you know, whatever. That's not cool. Um, but this person was like, oh, well, you know what? If, if, I, if I saw the money, then I'd think about it. If I saw the thousands of dollars, I'll consider it. I'm just like, no way. You, are you telling me you would get married to some complete stranger for thousands of dollars? Like, what are you talking about? And uh, she was like dead serious about it. And uh, of course, then she said, well, you know, after I use up his, all of his money to pay my bills and my school loans, then I'll, then I'll drop him for somebody else that I really like. And I'm just like, whoa, you know, like, whatever, man. What's going on? What's going on right now? Hold on. Jesus, Shabbat. Um, so anyway... But as we're, as we're talking about this, one, one thing that I brought up is like, because I'm trying to just see, see where they're coming from. I'm like, well, well, what about true love? What about real relationship? What about real intimacy? Getting to know somebody, being committed to that one person, what about that? And as I'm talking about it, I'm, and I'm, again, I'm mentioning that phrase, what about real love? Like true love, genuine, sincere love, what about that? Um, aren't you willing to wait for that right person to come along? And then her friend, uh, she had a friend that was across the table. And, you know, we, all of us were kind of engaging on this conversation. Her, her friend chimes in, comes out of nowhere and says, true love, what is that? She said, true love, what, what is that? What are you talking about, true love? Almost in a sense saying, I don't even believe in true love. Like, there's no such thing as true love. You're, it, it's not existent. It's, it's a fairy tale. It's a myth. It's, it's, not, it's, it, it's not real. You won't find true love. Nobody has true love on this earth. When I'm in college and I'm walking around and different guys are hitting on me, I already know there's, there's no real love there. Yeah, they might send me a message. Yeah, they might hit me up and send me a text. But I know these guys don't really love. I mean, true love, that's, that's, I've never seen. What is true love? What are you talking about? And as soon as she said that, my friends, that just opened my eyes to the reality, guys, in the world without Christ, outside the church, love is non-existent. Love doesn't exist. It's not real. It's extinct. It's a foreign concept. Of course, people try to love one another. People claim that love is this, love is that. Our generation has reduced love to so many different things. Now, if you change your Facebook status to being single and to being in a relationship, all of a sudden, that's like true love right there. That's like so serious. Oh, my gosh. They're in a relationship. They, they change the thing like real love. Oh, my goodness, you know. So we've now equated true, genuine, sincere, sacrificial love to a Facebook status on a social media network. We've equated love to a, an app on our phone, Snapchat. A message, a text message, somebody just sweet-talking us into doing whatever we want, they want us to do. Oh, I love you, baby. Oh, you're so cute, or this, that, and the other. And we think that this is love. We think that somehow this is some meaningful, sincere, genuine, deep-seated, emotional love. And if we come to find out, probably most of us in this room, that 
that love was anything but real. It was fake, left us hurt, left us confused, didn't satisfy us, and in all honesty, didn't do anything for us at all, period. If we can all turn to Matthew 12, verse, I think, Oscar, you have it on the uh, slide there, verse 12, Matthew 24, verse 12. It says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. You see, guys, in the world, you can't find love anywhere. The hearts of so many of us, especially in our generation, guys, the heart, our hearts have become so numb to this concept of love. We don't know what it is. We've heard stories about it, yet never experienced it, yet never seen it. We look to our families, we see broken relationships, we see divorces, we see abortions, we see girls getting pregnant. My friends, we have no concept of what love is. We're claiming it's all these different things. Yet all of them are fake, all of them are counterfeit, and all of them end up hurting you more in the end. Leave you worse off than when you began. And this verse is so powerful because it, it, it states the obvious. The, the context of Matthew 24, it's talking about the end times. And the end times basically meaning when Jesus is going to come back, he's going to judge the whole world, right? The apocalypse, apocalypse type stuff, earthquakes and volcanoes and all this, right? The author of Matthew is saying that in the last days, one of the ways we'll know that Jesus is coming back and that it, we're getting closer and closer to the end is that people will stop loving each other. Is that... The, the, the heart of many, the love that they have, it'll grow cold. You know what that looks like? That looks like somebody telling you they love you and you know in your mind they have no, they, they don't care about you at all, period. That looks like somebody coming up to you saying, I got your back, and you know they're going to betray you and backstab you the moment they turn around. The heart of many will grow cold. The love of most will grow cold. That looks like your parents telling you that, they love you, they're there for you, they'll take care of you, and then the next day you see them drunk, overdosing on drugs. Amen? Like, can we keep it real? They think that this, you know, they think that, that, that oh yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to say I love you, but in reality, they're, they're so far fresh from that, from what true love is. They say that I love you, they say, oh yeah, man, I'm, I'm for you, I'm with you, I got your back, you know, we're homies, we're friends, we're, we're best buddies, and then the next moment, what happened to the love? It's gone, and the next thing, they're cursing you out, they're beating you over the head. They're backstabbing you. They're gossiping about you, about how you did this, that, and the other, and they're being all bogus. Next thing, they disfriend you from Facebook. They block you. They delete your Snapchat number, all of these different things. And we think to ourselves, well, what about love? Where's the love in all of this? I thought we were friends. I thought you loved me. I thought you cared about me. Well, the love was never there to begin with because they didn't have Jesus. Because our world does not know what true love is. Our world has no concept of that. So when we take Christ out of the equation, love is absent. Number one, because Christ is love to begin with. So if you take love out of the equation, you're not going to have love, duh, right? It makes sense. And is it no wonder, you know, in our culture and in our society, I mean, we have so many crazy things happening, especially in our city of Chicago, shootings, people dying, all this kind of stuff happening. You know, even the Las Vegas shooting not too long ago, then the massacre in Texas where a gunman walked into a church, shot up a bunch of people, over 20, I believe. 26 people got shot in, in Texas, right? 
And I, and I can guarantee you to this day, right now, it's like, okay, maybe when we saw the headlines, you know, we wanted to change our, our Facebook profile to like pray for Texas or pray for Las Vegas, you know, some nice little cute thing. But I guarantee you right now, you know, at, least, at the very, like even a week later, seven days later, we're not even thinking about that. We don't even remember the faces. We don't even remember the details. And to be honest, a lot of people in the world don't even care. 200 people could get shot. 20 people could get shot, 26. Millions of babies can be aborted in our nation, and nobody will care. And nobody's thinking about it. There's so much pain and suffering in the world. You look at North Korea, they still have concentration camps over there. We, we all know that concentration camps did not stop after Hitler died, right? Concentration camps still exist. People are still getting tortured. People are still being put into slavery. People are still getting beat up, right, for no reason by the government, by authoritative rule, right? All these things are happening in the world. People are dying of starvation, right? But does anybody care? You go to your school, you ask your classmate, do you care about the people starving in Africa? You know what, they're, they're going to tell you. They might give you some smart aleck answer, but in their heart, they do not care. Because they have no love on the inside of them. There is not a loving bone within them. They could say it with their words, but in their minds, they have no concept of what's going on and, and could care less. My friends, love is not in the world. And the world has no clue what love is. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how tragic things get. It doesn't matter how bad suffering gets. It doesn't matter what earthquake happens. This whole year we've had a bunch of earthquakes and, and hurricanes and all these different things happen, but nobody really cares at the end of the day. Is anybody still thinking about going and visiting Texas or Florida or Puerto Rico to help out with the, the, the hurricanes that hit there? Well, no, that's not trending on my news feed, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Okay, then. Guys, the love of many will grow cold in the last days. But the world doesn't have a concept of love. The world has no clue what love is. It's not capable of loving at all, period. Your love does exist. It is real. It is genuine. It is sincere. And it is out there. If you can turn to John chapter 13, verse 35. Here, John is talking about the love that the believers have as Christians. And it says this, it says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Another translation says, They will know that you are Christians or disciples by your love. Here's the thing, guys. Love is such a foreign concept in our culture, in our society, in your high school. It's so rare. It's hard to find. But as believers, we possess love. When we came to Christ, God put his divine love on the inside of us. So while everybody is looking for love in all the different wrong places, as believers, as Christians, as disciples of Christ, we have the love. We have been given this precious, rare commodity called love. Something that can't be found in the world. Something that can't be found in a, degree, in, a, in a degree, in a job, in a check. We have love. God has given it to those who believe, who are Christians, who are believers. We have the answer. 
Therefore, when we go into our schools and everybody is searching for love and has no clue what it is and doesn't know, you know, they're left from the right when it comes to love and caring and kindness and all these different things. My friends, when we show up onto the scene, we have love and what they don't have, we have. What they're searching for, what they're looking for in a boyfriend, in a girlfriend, and friends in general, in, in period. We have love. We have it. We have what they're looking for. And so the moment you step into that arena, when you, the moment you step into that zone where everyone else is sinning and doing their thing without love, right, absent of love because they don't have Jesus, the moment we step into that situation, they should instantly, instantly recognize us. Instantly distinguish us out from everyone else. Why? According to this verse, why? Because we have love. Because of the way we love each other. Because of the way we interact with one another in love. They have no concept of what it is. They don't know what it is. They're looking for it. They, you know, they, they, they're trying to find this and that and the other thing. But when we step into the scene, they see us and they say, that person is loving with genuine sincerity. Who is this person? Where have they gotten it from? They actually care about people. They actually asked me how I was doing, and oh my gosh, I could tell in their eye they meant it. They weren't just saying it because they wanted another friend on their Facebook to add to the hundreds that they already have. They meant it. They love people. They're loving each other. They're loving one another. They're caring about me. They're caring about their other classmates. They're asking how they're doing. They're, they're involved. They're saying these different things. What, they, they, there's something different about this person. And it's interesting. Again, J John could have, or well, it's Jesus talking in this, in this verse here. Jesus could have picked all other types of qualities and traits to say that the world will recognize us for as being his disciples. Jesus could have said, hey, the world will know that you're, you're my disciple. The world will know that you're a Christian because of how charismatic you are, how, how, how talented you are. How showmanshipy you are, how how good you are at like hyping everybody up and getting excited and being the cool guy. Like, like they'll they'll know you're a Christian because of how cool you are and how you wear the latest, latest clothes and the latest shoes and the latest J's or whatever. They could have said, you, you they'll know you're a Christian because of all the good works you do, of all the good deeds you do, that that you're always doing something. You're always, it seems like you're successful, it seems like you're prospering. Jesus could have picked so many other characteristics or traits to define his disciples that'll make the world distinguish us from them. Do we understand that in this place? The world has no other way to distinguish us but by one thing, love. That's the only thing that separates us from them. That's the only way they'll recognize you as a Christian. That's the only way they'll be able to set you apart from everybody else, by the way you're loving people. So if you're not loving people, if you're not showing love to those around you, friends, you're not representing Christ and you don't have God on the inside of you. As Christians, our love is supposed to be so compelling, so stirring, makes people, when they look at us and they see the way we're loving one another, it stops them in their tracks and they say, this person has to be a Christian because of how they're talking to me, because of how they're loving me, because that they actually care 
who, who is this person? What church do they go to? I guess I'll go. I guess I'll, I'll accept the invitation. I, I guess I'll, I'll check out the church, the youth group with them. It seems like they care about me. It seems like they're actually interested in my life. It seems like they actually love me. I don't know how. They're a complete stranger. Like, they don't know me, but somehow it looks like they love me, and they're, they're showing it by their words and their actions. I don't understand, but I, I see the love inside of them. Okay, I, I guess I'll follow you. I guess I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say because I, I can tell you love me. See why love is so important? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Next slide, Oscar. In 1 John 4, verses 7 through 12, it gives a great summary of what, loves it, what love is. It talks about it in, in depth. I encourage you uh, all to, to read that chapter. But here it says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. One of the reasons why the world cannot love one another is because, again, they don't have God. So if you don't have God, you cannot, you cannot, you are unable to love at any capacity because love comes from God. And if you don't have God, you don't have love. It's very simple, very plain. Love comes from God. Everyone who loves, everyone who loves has been born of God. And knows God. How can you tell somebody knows God? How can you tell somebody has a relationship with God? How can you tell how deep that relationship goes with God? Based off of the way they love. Based off of the way they love people. How do I know this person is praying, loves the Lord, is evangelizing, cares about people? Because they love one another. How do I know this person is serious about God and is on fire for the Lord? Not because they memorize so many verses. Not because they come every week to a, a youth service. Not because they even evangelize or, or do stuff. It's because they love God and they love people. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. If, you are, do not, if you're not loving people, my friends, you have no clue who God is. You do not know who God is. I don't know what God you're serving. I don't know what God you're praying to. But you do not have him. Because if you did, you would be loving people like crazy. You would be the example and the standard when it comes to love. What God are you serving? Do you know this, Jesus? Because apparently everyone who does loves one another. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Very, there, there you go. The Bible said it. If you don't love, you don't know God. If you're not loving, if you're not a loving person, if you're not known for your love, you do not really know God. You don't. doesn't matter what you're claiming. doesn't matter if you put, that, if you put Christianity as your Facebook religion. It, it does not matter. None, none of that matters, guys. What matters is do you love people? Because if you're not loving people, you're serving the wrong God. You don't have Jesus on the inside of you. And you don't really know who this Jesus is. Because if you did, you would be loving and caring for those around you. You'd be known for your love. You'd be the example. You'd be setting the standard when it comes to love in your family. You'd be setting the standard when it comes to loving people in your school. How is it we can, how is it we can go to a home continually where, where our family, our friends, 
they're not saved, they've never heard the gospel, and we think it's okay that they're going to hell. We think that it's okay that we don't tell them about Jesus. We just, they're just kind of there. Okay, well, I, I tried one time to preach to them, and they didn't really respond. Guys, if you know Jesus, you're going to love your dad. If you know Jesus, you're going to love your mom. If you know Jesus and you have a relationship with God, you're going to love your brother, your sister, whoever it is. Oh, well, they did this to me. They treated me like that. They did some really nasty stuff when I was young. I'm not asking you if they did anything to you. I'm telling you, if you know God, you will supernaturally love them. You will care about them. You will care about your sister. You will care about your brother. This is something that in the world is so obvious. You look at broken households that don't have Jesus. I'm telling you, the families could care less about each other. Of course, when a shooting happens and one of them ends up dying, they're on the camera crying about how much they love them and how much they mean to them. But the month previous, that same mother, that same brother, that same friend was cursing them out, telling them that they're worth nothing, telling them that they don't care about them, that they're good for nothing, that they were just, they wish they were never born, right? Guys, it's all fake. The love is not in the world. And it's reflected in our families. It's reflected by dads leaving their children behind. My friends, that's what it looks like when the world does not have Jesus and doesn't have the love of God. But let me tell you what, when that love comes into that person, when the love of God enters into that heart, enters into that believer, you will supernaturally start caring about your brother you never even noticed before. You will start caring about your sister who you never cared about before. You'll start caring about your mom. You'll start even caring about your mom's boyfriend. You'll start caring about these different people in your life that you see at home, that you see at school. You'll start to care. You'll start to love. You won't be cold anymore. You won't be numb anymore. Ignoring people and not loving anyone around you, that will not happen. That ceases to exist. The moment you receive Christ and his love comes on the inside of you. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we, next slide, might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We also ought to love one another because God loved us. Let me tell you what, when that supernatural love comes on the inside of you, you're meeting Jesus right then and there. It's powerful. It's amazing. You start to love people. You start to have compassion for people. You start caring about people. And it's not coming from you. It's not because you read a book. It's not because you took a class on love. It's because the God of love now stepped on the inside of you. The God who laid down his life for you when we were at our worst. You see, guys, love is not based off of, uh, off of again, there's no tricks up God's sleeve when it comes to love. It's not supposed to be some beneficial system of earning, you know, well, you know, you, you got to earn my love. You know, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of love if you do this, that, and the other for me. You have to prove that you love me. All this different nonsense. Guys, that's not love. That's not biblical love. That's not Christ's love. That's not the way Christ loves us. He loved us when we were at our worst. He loved us when we were sinners. He loved us when we were cursing him out. 
He loved us when we could care less about coming to church or reading our Bible or giving a rip about anything having to do with Jesus. You see, at that point, Christ loved us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us and became a sacrifice. I don't know if you guys remember that message I preached about Jesus emptying himself of everything that he possibly had, and he died on the cross, suffered a gruesome death for you because he loved you. You see, we didn't deserve that. We did, I mean, we, we did everything to discourage God from dying on the cross for us. Everything in the positive, everything that could ever be thought of. We, we did everything to discourage Jesus from ever dying on the cross for us. We proved to God, Lord, I don't want you. I don't care about you. I'm, I'm living in sin. I like it. I like cursing people out. I like looking at pornography. I like being sexually perverse. I like having drugs and being addicted to this, that, and the other. I like this, Lord. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now see, why is it when we become Christian now and we have the love of Jesus on the inside of us, why is it now we want to place some kind of earning system on the way we love people? Why is it now we want to change the definition of love? That wasn't the love that God gave us. The love God gave us was unconditional. It wasn't based off of what people did for us. It wasn't this kind of earning thing. God loved us unconditionally in our worst state. Why do we think we, we can only love people that are in a good state? Why do we think we can only love people who are good to us? Why do we think we can only love people when they're nice to us or they help us out or they take us out to eat or whatever? That's not Christ's love. That's not the way Christ loved us. We need to love unconditionally as well. The moment we have God who is love step on the inside of us. We start to love others now unconditionally, just like Jesus. You see, Jesus is looking for people who can love like he loves. He's looking for people to fill. He's looking for people to touch. He's looking for somebody who will not care about how worse off you know, the, 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 this generation or society is. He's looking for somebody who says, you know what, despite how bad people are, despite what my dad did to me, despite what my mom did to me, I'm still going to love them. I'm still going to love them. I'm still going to care about them because that's what Jesus did for me. While I was still a sinner sinning against him, uh, Jesus, God, loved me to die for me on the cross for my sins. You see, guys, we have to reflect the love of Christ for us. We have to give the same love to those around us as Jesus did for us, guys. And he loved us unconditionally, so therefore we need to love unconditionally. So what if somebody's being bogus to you? So what if somebody's talking about you? So what? So what? That's not what Jesus, Jesus didn't ask, oh, are they still sinning? Jesus didn't look at you and say, oh, man, they're still messed up. Man, they cursed today. I can't love them now. He didn't do that. He was unconditional in his love. He said, I don't care that they're still doing this. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them, and I'm going to die for them. I'm going to show them even at their worst, I still cared about them. And He does. Therefore, when we accept Christ into our hearts, that's the mindset that we have. That's the example we have to set. That's the standard that we have to have. When we walk into our families, guys, you think this is a joke. When we walk into our families tonight and our parents are yelling at us, yapping about something we didn't do, guys, we have to set the example. What do you think we're here for? What do you think we're learning about? We have to set the example in real life situations and say, I am going to love you care about what's happening. I don't care about the past. I don't care what you did to me 10 years ago. I love you because, of, because Christ loves me. That's why John is saying here, it's so important. He who knows God 
He who has a relationship with God, that person loves the most. Because the more acquainted you become with Jesus, the more acquainted you become with God, the more you talk to him, the more you get to know him, the more you read about him in his book, my friends, you start to love like him. Because you see all the love he gives you. And he sees that you don't even deserve half of it. You don't deserve any of it. You don't deserve any of the love of God that God has for you. But every time you come to him, you get that grace. God tells you he loves you. God tells you he supports you. God tells you he's for you and not against you. Guys, and when you feel that, when you hear that, when you read about it, when you talk to him, when you talk to true love, you start to have that same attitude with others. And you start to love people. You start to care about people to the point where those in the world can point you out and distinguish you from everybody else. In a world where love has gone cold, love has gone numb, and nobody cares. Guys, I'm telling you, maybe, maybe you think, oh, well, you know, you know you, you're hearing it from me. You're hearing me getting all excited about this topic and everything. Let, let, let's be honest. At the end of the day, when you're home by yourself, you all think about this. Does anybody love me? Do my friends really love me? Do, I, do, I, do my, my, my parents, do they really love me? Does my siblings love me? If, if I died, if I, if I jumped off a bridge, would anybody care? We think about this. Don't act like you don't think about this. Don't act like this is not an issue. My friends, we've all had that moment where we thought to ourselves, Does, do, do people love me? Does anybody love me? Does anybody care? Well, let me tell you what. The moment a Christian steps onto the scene who does care, who does have love, that person who's thinking that, they're instantly changed because they see true love in front of them, and it gives them hope. As believers, we need to be reflecting this everywhere we go. We need to be setting the standard in how we love people because there is a broken generation. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are dying and going to hell without a clue what true love is. But as Christians, it's our job to show them. Oh, you're going to curse me out. You're going to slap me. You're going to roast me. You're going to put me down for preaching the gospel. That's okay. I still love you. I'm going to see you next week. I'm going to see you tomorrow. I'll buy you lunch. I don't want your lunch. You're stupid. All you Christians are the same. You're all hypocrites, blah, 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 blah. Some angry atheist kid, right? Let me tell you what. The atheist needs the love of God. The atheist needs that, that sacrificial. Uh, that, he needs that. He needs that love. I dare you. Find the hardest atheist. Find the hardest sinner in your school, in your family, and love them unconditionally. Don't stop loving them every time they curse you out, every time they put you down. Love them, love them, love them, because that's what Jesus does for you every single day. How are you reflecting that, and how are you showing that? Next slide. No, uh, 1 John 3. 1 John 3, 16, verses 18. Again, it says kind of the same exact concept here. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Love is sacrificial. It's unconditional. It doesn't have conditions. It doesn't have rules. It doesn't have constraints. It doesn't have this little thing where, okay, you know, uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That's not love. That's satanic. That's demonic. That has nothing to do with Jesus. This is love. This is how we know what true love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Just as Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, we get the privilege now to lay our lives down for others. You know, there's people being persecuted right now for their faith, for believing in Jesus. 
all throughout history, many Christians have died for the faith. Many people have gotten whipped. Many people have gotten executed. Many people have gotten shot in the head. Many people throughout history have died for this. That even when in the midst, in the face of death, in the face of somebody about to kill them, asking them, are you a believer? Do you love Jesus? Are you a Christian? Just renounce your faith. At the end of the day, they say, no, I love Jesus and I love you. They don't care. They continually lay down their life for others. It's not conditional. Well, what if they're threatening my life? What if they're threatening me and my well-being and my safety? You know what Jesus did? They threatened to kill him, and they did kill him, and Jesus still didn't stop loving them. There's no conditions to love. So stop acting as if there's this whole rule, this whole list of conditions and rules and things you got to do in order for, for, for us as Christians to love. No, there's no conditions. It's unconditional. We love regardless. We lay our lives down for those around us because that's what Jesus did. Do you know Jesus today? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you talk to Jesus? Because if you did, you would love people, and I would be able to point to you in the audience and say, that person knows God because of how they love. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need but has no pity on them, next slide. How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Love is an action. Love takes action. Love takes decisions. Love takes choices. You can't just sit in a chair and tell me that you love people and on the side you don't care about anybody. You don't care. Guys, I'm telling you, there's a whole world of, that's full of sinners, that's full of broken people. There's, there's family members that don't know Jesus, that have never heard the gospel from you. And it proves to me that you don't know God and that you don't love people. There's a whole world of, of sin and darkness all around this city. And they don't know Jesus. And that is a shame because as Christians we have the answer and we're supposed to be shining the love of Christ to us. The darkness in the world is almost proof that the Christians have lost it and have not got it yet when it comes to love. I understand some people are lost in their sin and they don't want God. We have to love those people as well. It's okay. We, we got to be patient for them. We got to pray for them. Maybe they never will receive Jesus at all in their whole entire life. That's okay. We keep praying for them. We keep evangelizing to them. We don't cast our, our we, don't, we don't waste our time on them in the sense where we just, you know, they, they, they start saying, we don't want you. We don't want the gospel. Leave us alone. Okay, we have to respect that. There's, so there's some practicality to it. But there are so many people. There's, some of you are, are, are here in Elevate as a result of somebody reaching out to you. Because they cared and said, hey, you need Jesus. Let me preach to you. Let me tell you about God. And you're proof. You being here is proof that that person loves, that that person cares, that that person had a relationship with God. But how about in each of, and, and, and let's just evaluate ourselves right now. Are we displaying God's love to those around us? Do our actions prove it? Do our actions back it up? Or are we just talking the talk? Let me tell you what, there's nothing more false. There's nothing more, uh, guys, you can talk the talk all you want. That does not prove you have love inside of you. 
Dear children, let us not love with words or speech. Let's not just talk a big game and come to church and hype ourselves up and hype everybody else up. Oh, I love God, man. I'm all about Jesus. I'm all about preaching the gospel. Look at me. I'm a super saint. I'm a super Christian. I evangelize everywhere. I preach the gospel. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm even in discipleship. I'm not saying any of you are here in this room, but I'm just saying sometimes we can have this mentality that, oh, we're doing so much. Look at us. Look at our words. Look at our speech. We're displaying ourselves as this grand Christian when our actions and the truth is far from that and we're not loving anybody around us. To to where somebody who's not saved, they see you on the street and they want to talk to you. Somebody who's not saved, who's contemplating suicide, who's, who's dealing with depression, they hit you up on Facebook. They're like, hey, bro, I need somebody to talk to right now. And you message back to them, oh, sorry, I'm busy. I don't have time for you. I got to do X, Y, and Z. It's kind of similar to the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, the people that passed by this person who was, you know, broke and, and busted on the side of the road. He'd been, he'd been jumped by, by robbers. He was, he was beaten. He was left for dead. There, there were pastors that passed by him and said, no, we're not going to help you. We're not going to love you. We're not going to take care of you. we got to go to church. we got to go to the servant ministry right now. We don't have time to help you out. The Bible is saying it does not matter what your words are. It doesn't matter what your speech is. You have to prove it with action. Love is an action. I could care less what you say. I could care less what you post on Facebook. Because let me tell you what, you could post all the statuses about God all you want on your Facebook, yet somebody is broken right in front of you, and they're crying out for somebody to tell them about Jesus, and you're not saying anything, and you remain silent. Do not be that person. Let your love be genuine and sincere. Oscar, if you can go to the next slide, 1 Corinthians. Of course, there's a famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13 about the love. It's, it's literally been called the love passage. Daryl, if you can come up when you're ready on the keys. It's literally called the love passage. And it talks about the different traits of love and how awesome love is and describes the different facets of it. And, and that's good. And we might get to that tonight. But before we do, actually, uh, 1 Corinthians, no, not 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians, not that one either. Hold on. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. It's close. 13, 1 through 3. Amen. Everybody understand we have to love one another. We have to set the example. We have to set the standard. It's not a game. There's nothing funny about it. People are dying right now. Babies are being aborted. Women are getting raped. Divorces are happening right now. Fathers are committing adultery and they don't even care, guys. Love is non-existent in the world without Christ. When Christ is taken out of the picture, there is no love. But when you have Jesus, my friends, love comes on the inside of you and you start loving people you thought you'd never love at all. You start caring about people again. You start feeling again in your heart. Your heart's no longer numb. Your heart's no longer cold to those around you. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. This is saying if you have all, you know, if you know how to talk this huge game and you, you're, you're, you're a fancy talker, you have, you know, you're, you're, you got a good game going for you. You can speak in the tongues of men and of angels, you know, all the languages of, I mean, I don't know, just, you, 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 you talk a really good game. You just, you just talk the talk. You use all the right words. You just know how to talk, say the right thing. I mean, you just know how to put everything together in such a good way with your words and how you talk to people. 
Let me tell you what, if you don't have love, all of that becomes just, just, just noise. Let me tell you what, for some of you, the reason why people don't listen to you when you try and preach the gospel to them is because you don't have love. And to them, you, they only hear noise. They only hear somebody who's talking. My friends, when we get a hold of love, our friends start listening. Our friends start stopping and hearing what we have to say because it's not noise anymore. It's not just a clanging cymbal, just some obnoxious noise in our ears. No, all of a sudden, wait a minute, they love me, they care about me, okay, I'll hear them out. What do you have to say? All right, I'll, I guess I'll check out church. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying everybody does that. I'm not saying everybody responds in that way, but so many do. Love is so important, guys. Next one, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains. Guys, that, no, stay on that slide. If I, if I have faith to move mountains, if I have all the knowledge in the world, if I have an IQ of, you know, the, just the highest IQ, I'm the smartest, I've acquired knowledge, I've acquired wisdom, I've acquired all these different things to put under my, under my belt. I can fathom mysteries. I have the potential and the talent to just figure out all the type of mysteries in the world and the universe. And I have such powerful faith that I can make mountains move and do all this kind of crazy stuff. Still, if I don't have love, you know what all that does for you? It does nothing. All your deeds are worthless. All your deeds are nothing before God. If you don't have love, it's nothing. It means nothing to him. You coming to church, you doing one-on-one, you, you, you do all you want. If you don't have love, it's meaningless, my friends. It doesn't mean anything in the kingdom of God. Stop trying to do all this stuff without love, guys. You're making the church look bad. You need to get a hold of love and start caring about people. Actually care about your neighbor. Actually care about your friend. Actually care about your family. If Guys, at the moment you start caring about your relatives, maybe they'll actually come to church. Maybe they'll actually come to church with you the moment you start loving your sister, your brother, your aunt, your uncle. Because all they hear is noise when you talk to them. Because all they hear is noise, just random stuff in their ear. Because they don't hear any love behind it. Guys, get a hold of God's love on the inside of you. They'll start listening to you guys. But do not have love, I am nothing. Next slide. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. We understand this, guys. Love is important and it brings meaning to what you do. It brings meaning to everything you do, guys. One more, 2 Corinthians 5. You can turn there, Oscar. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. We can all stand. I'm going to close out with this verse here. If we can all look up at the screen and read it out. You don't have to read it out loud, but look up at the screen and read it. It says, for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Everybody say compels us. See, as a Christian, the driving motive, the thing that motivates you, the thing that pushes you forward, the thing that propels you to do what you do for God and for his kingdom is not to gain a great standing with people. It's not to gain a title. It's not to gain respect. It's not to achieve some goal or some dream that you have. The, the driving force the thing that motivates you to preach the gospel, the thing that should motivate you to come to church, the thing that should motivate you to be in discipleship, to do X, Y, and Z for God and his kingdom, the thing that should motivate you is God's love, the love of God being on the inside of you. Christ's love compels us. Another translation says Christ's love controls us. 
Does Christ's love control you tonight? Does Christ's love compel you to do anything, or are you so cold-hearted in this place you could care less about your neighbor? The person standing next to you on your left or on your right, you care. Does, your, does Christ's love compel you to do what you do for his kingdom? Guys, it's important. We need the love of God because that's the answer to a broken generation. The gospel is a message about love. Yes, it, 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 it demands a response. The person has to choose for themselves. After they've chosen to reject the gospel, they are guilty of going to hell and they're going to be punished for the rest of eternity. But that's, that's up to God. He's going to take care of that on Judgment Day. Our job now on earth is to preach the gospel in love, with a loving heart, allowing the love of Christ to compel us and control us. When we go to our schools, when we're with our family members that aren't saved, it's the love of God that's driving us and moving us forward and inspiring us in, in what we need to say, inspiring our next word that we're going to talk to them about, and, and inspiring a Facebook message, private message that no one else sees and no one else knows about. You privately message a family member. You privately message a friend. Say, hey, man, I've been thinking about you. Is there anything I can pray for you? For Christ's love compels us. Does it compel you tonight? If we can all bow our heads and close our eyes. Holy Spirit, come. Just let the, I mean, I, I believe the Holy Spirit's in this place. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit's God. So God is here, and I believe God wants to talk to you right now. Maybe there's been people that you haven't reached out to. Maybe there's people that you know you should be more loving towards, but your heart is hard to them, and you just need God to just soften your heart again. You just need a new understanding of God's love. You need, to, you need to understand you're a wretched sinner. You don't deserve anything from God, but God loves you unconditionally. Therefore, man, I should love others as well, just as God loves me. Oh, my goodness. I just want to encourage you right now, just talk to God on your own. Ask God if there's any area in your life that you're, you haven't loved in areas in your life where you're withholding love from people, areas in your life where God's love isn't compelling you, God's love is not controlling you. Well, you know, I, I know I come to Elevate, I'm excited, but man, when I go to school, I, God's love is, has, is nowhere in the picture. I don't, I, I don't really care about those people. I just want to get in and out of school. I could care less about my teacher. I could care less about the other students in my class as we're learning about English or we're learning about history. I could care less about them. I just want to go in, get my degree, and get out. Guys, that's not Jesus. That doesn't reflect God's heart. You need to ask God to change you. You shouldn't be okay with that mindset. Holy Spirit, come, God. Show us where, where we need to grow. Holy Spirit, come. Show us how to love, Lord God, in a world, God, where love does not exist, God. Show us how to love. Fill us up with your love, Lord God. Fill us up with your love, God. Give us a fresh baptism of your love in this place, Lord. That we start loving people, Lord God. That we start loving people again, Lord. That our friends, God, our teachers, God, they'd be able to say, man, this student loves me. I don't know why, but this student loves me. Every time they come into my class, they, they say hi. They ask me how I'm doing. What's going on? What's up with this person? Oh, they're a Christian. That makes sense. 
God, let it be the love of God that we're known for in this place. Just a few more moments, you and God. You don't need me to say anything on this mic, guys. I want you to talk to God because God needs to show you some things. I can't change your heart for you. I can't do it for you. You need to talk to God right now. Before we open these altars, guys, just take advantage of this moment. Holy Spirit, show us right now. If I can have my altar workers come up. If you want personal prayer one-on-one, these altar workers are here to pray for you. If you want to ask God to come into your heart, maybe you just need to confess something, get something off your chest that you've been holding on to, guys. These altar workers are here to pray with you. So if that's you, I just want to let you feel free to come up to them. For everyone else, if you just want more of God, you want God's love to saturate you, we have our altar workers, uh, Jackie and Shamal here. For anyone else, if you just want to come up to the altar and just ask God to fill you up with his love. You, you know you have not been loving people like you should. You know your love doesn't reflect Christ. Guys, there's hope for you tonight. God can give you a fresh heart. God can show you how to love again. God can melt your heart, a cold heart, and, and make it warm and feeling and soft again, God. But you have to ask God to do it or else, or else your heart is going to stay hard. You're going to be incapable of loving anyone. If you want to be known for your love and the way you love people, I want to encourage you, come up to these altars right now. The altars are open. The altars are open right now. If you want more of God's love in your life and you want to love people better, if you just want to love people better, come up to these altars.